Welcome to Journey Through Classical Piano. I'm your host, classical pianist Yoon Kim. Every other Wednesday, I feature in-depth exploration of one classical piano composition. Regardless of whether or not you're a lifelong lover of classical music, this podcast is meant to show you how important and relevant classical music is to today's world and to bring the live piano concert experience right to your living room. I believe that classical music is for everyone, so let's start listening together. Before I get started, I would like to thank all of the existing Patreon supporters. If you love the podcast, please consider becoming a supporter of what I offer as a pianist and teacher. Please head over to patreon.com slash journey through classical piano. And please take a moment to leave star ratings or review as it helps other potential listeners to find and enjoy the show. Today, we'll be talking about the French composer Maurice Ravel, Pavane pour un infante defunte. It is work for solo piano written in 1899. Ravel dedicated this Pavane to his patron, the Princess de Polognac, and he probably performed the work at Prince's home on several occasions. Ravel described the piece as an evocation of Pavan that a little princess might, in former times, have danced at the Spanish court. The Pavan was a slow processional dance was popular in the courts of Europe during the 16th and 17th centuries. This antique miniature is not meant to pay tribute to any particular princess from history, but rather expresses a nostalgic enthusiasm for Spanish customs and sensibilities, which he shared uh, this kind of Spanish influence, uh, such as Debussy or Albanese. Uh, some of this Spanish influence is very obvious in his other works, such as Rhapsody Espanol or his famous Bolero. So let's take a listen to his popular Bolero a little bit here. Rabel was born in France in a town near Biarritz, uh, apparently it's 11 miles from the Spanish border. Morris was particularly close to his mother. Uh, her Basque Spanish heritage was a strong influence on his life and music. Among his earliest memories were folk songs she sang to him. His family was not rich, but was comfortable, and him and his brother had a happy childhood. Rabel attended Friend's premier music college, the Paris Conservatoire. Rabel found his own way as a composer in developing a style of great clarity and incorporating elements of modernism, Baroque, neoclassicism, and in the later works, even jazz. He also made some orchestral arrangement for other composers' music, of which in 1922, he made Mussorgsky's Pictures and Exhibition, which probably is one of the best known for his arrangement. Most of Rabel's piano music, it's extremely difficult to play and present pianists with a balance of technical and artistic challenges. 
writing of the piano music, um, the critic Andrew Clark commented that a successful Ravel interpretation is fine balance thing. Uh, it involves a subtle musicianship, a feeling for pianistic color, and sort of a lightly worn virtuosity that masks the advanced technical challenges that you can find in the two outer movements of Gaspanur and the Lunut. Too much temperament, and the music loses its classical shape. Too little, it sounds pale. Really true, Ravel's music is extremely difficult, yet it should sound light and uh, easy. I don't know, that's, that is a fine balance this, uh, people are talking about. In my university years, I remember Ravel Gaspar de la Nuit was one of the top three pieces all of pianists probably voted as one of the most challenging pieces to play. Not to mention, at least two of my pianist friends probably got injured or near tendonitis by trying to perfecting this piece. So let's take a listen of the last movement of this. his career, Ravel appeared calmly indifferent to blames or critics uh, or praise. Those who knew him well believed that he was true to his character. The only opinion of his music uh, that he truly valued was his own, who is considered to be a perfectionist and severely self-critical. I'm not sure which one is better. It's you as the most self-critic or others. <laughs> At 20 years of age, he was, he was self-possessed, a little aloof, intellectually biased, given to mild banter. He dressed like a dandy and was meticulously about his appearance and his demeanor. Ravel had the experience of a well-dressed jockey. <laughs> um, when you look at his picture, he does have that very well-dressed... Um, I can actually see his perfectionist side of it, his portrait as well. I highly recommend for you to go and take a look. Debussy was widely regarded as impressionist composer, although the label that he intensively disliked. Many music lovers began to apply the same terminology to Ravel. The works of two composers were frequently taken as a part of the single term impressionist. Ravel was 12 years younger than Debussy, has known Debussy since the 1890s, and their friendship, though never close, continued for more than 10 years. Ravel thought Debussy was indeed an impressionist, but he himself was not. <laughs> Debussy was more spontaneous and casual in his composing, while Ravel was more attentive to form and craftsmanship. Ravel wrote about Debussy and saying, Ravel is genius, and his genius was obviously one of the great individuality, creating 
its own laws, constantly in evolution, expressing itself freely yet always faithful to French tradition. For Debussy, the musician and the man, I have had profound admiration, but by nature, I'm different from Debussy. Ravel's earliest major work for piano, Judo, is frequently cited as evidence that he evolved his style independently of Debussy, whose major works for piano all came later. When writing for solo piano, Ravel rarely aimed the intimate chamber effect, maybe that is a characteristic of Debussy, but sought after a list-like vitrosity. This is Judo. the piano concerto in D major for the left hand first. It was commissioned by Austrian pianist Paul Wickerstein, who had lost his right arm during the war. Ravel was definitely challenged by this project, saying, in a work of this kind, it's essential to give impression of the texture no thinner than that of a part written for both hands. Indeed, when you hear this piece only with a sound, you probably can't help but wonder if this is indeed playing with one hand, left hand. Recently, a student of mine had tendonitis on her right hand. And of course, instead of taking a break from piano altogether, I encouraged her to learn and perform left hand pieces. <laughs> Although I did not suggest this particular concerto to her in the danger of getting another tendonitis. But I find that this uh, concerto fascinating and enchanting. Well, luckily, I never had injuries in my career as a pianist. But this is something that is easy to have, uh, just like athletes, as all pianists need to practice every single day for long hours. I think I heard pianist Lang Lang also suffer from his recent tendonitis, preventing him from concertizing for a while. I really feel sympathy over any pianist who suffer from injuries. Although I practice every day, that has been my lifestyle for the whole my life. I'm very aware of that this is a marathon, and I would like to play piano even when I'm 80 years old. Um, so I, I'm very conscious about doing lots of stretching, being conscious about how I move my arms and fingers, doing uh, many practice hours, but in a moderation I know <laughs> those crazy university years, I've seen uh, musician French would practice all night to learn one Beethoven sonata entirely and memorized. But I don't think that kind of intensity is never healthy, nor good for our mind, body, and our souls. Let's say if you happen to have a mishap or injury of one hand, don't let that to stop you from playing piano during those healing times because there are many gorgeous one-hand pieces out there during your recovery. 
Today's piece, Pavan by Rabel, is not a typical virtuosic Rabel style. Maybe this is not the most representative of the composer, yet it has the most beautiful melodic line, slow, pensive. And in fact, Ravel intended this piece uh, to be played extremely slowly, more slowly than almost any modern interpretation. Ravel published an orchestra version in 1910 of this piece as well, and he gave the main melody line to Horn. This week, I just found out Ravel himself made a piano roll recording of this piece in 1922. I, and I finally had a chance to listen to it. I have to say I was very relieved to hear that my choice of tempo in this recording was fairly close to what Ravel intended. So this is a beginning of Ravel's opening of this pavan. across this beautiful piece of music, whether randomly, <laughs> and fell in love with it immediately. Uh, something about the melody of his this piece draw you in to somewhere far in the history. What I imagine while I play this piece is mm, like taking a time machine took place a long ago, then walking into a presence of empress of a country uh, that is about to be taken over by another authority. I bow down before her with a sincere respect. She's strong yet gentle, compassionate, always caring for her people in the future of a country. It is a moment of elegance imbued with a sense of hope and generosity. I hope while you listen, you could think of your own scenery or story and please share it with me. Uh, please go to jiunkim.com where you can leave voice or written message to this podcast. I will leave the link in the show notes below. So now let's take a listen to Maurice Ravel's Pavan pour un infant defunt, performed by Jiun Kim.
In the next episode, I will take you to a garden in a rain. <laughs> it's called 
Gardens in the Rain by Debussy. I can't wait to take a walk with you in the rain. I hope to meet you then. Thank you for listening. Thank you.